0: This is the Movie Hall of Fame, Class of 1995. Ooh, that's Here right. to help me induct this year's entry is none other than Adam Hall across the table from me. Adam, how are you? I'm
1: good, man. How you doing, Nico? I'm good. Yeah. This is week three of this experiment. I think it's going well. So far, so good, I think. I mean, I'm now totally gray after only three entries because this is the most stressful thing in my entire life it's very stressful you know know, i'm I'm supporting a mortgage and a kid (laughs) and you know and i'm getting married and all that other fun stuff and i have to buy a new house as well even though i just talked about a mortgage yeah no i'm doing a lot of. (laughs) it feels like that (laughs) deciding the best movie of a calendar year sometimes does feel like that stressful it's at least as stressful as having a baby yeah, I would say that. This, yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, you're because you're killing your babies on this one, aren't you? That's an
0: excellent point. When you have a baby, you're bringing life into the world, In this one, you have to decide
1: Sophie's Choice style, Ooh. which one Ooh. to give up, and then oh, the year when we get to Sophie's Choice is going to be the most meta goddamn thing ever.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a real Sophie's Choice that that podcast. Jesus.
1: Um. <laughs> Heyo. Okay. Um.
0: I will say. Last week, I feel like we are getting back on the right track. We were sort of given a layup (laughs) in the year 1980, choosing Raging Bull as the victor. Yes. I've been starting to do these Twitter polls, Mm -hmm. and if you would like to participate, I'll put one up. Maybe what we should do is, we're recording two episodes at once today, so we won't be able to pay this off for a couple weeks. We should see what the fans think. We should give the fans a voice and announce it on the podcast every week. I agree. So... Uh, I'll do that coming up this week, but we did a poll on the Twitter account, at TMT underscore media on Twitter, and you all voted, and you chose The Empire Strikes Back as the best movie of 1980. No surprise. No, I, I don't think it's surprising. It, it's funny that we didn't... It, it's So Raging Bull did get a second place with 25%. Mm-hmm. Wow, Empire had a whole 50% of the vote. Then The Shining, and then Airplane... In fourth. Yes. Yeah, I guess when you leave it up to the masses, that is not a shocking result. But
1: I have a feeling we're going to do that even in the next couple of episodes we're doing here. I think even with this one that we're doing, it's pretty obvious what most people are going to pick. Right. But... You know, I don't know. I don't get... Well, it's... it's. Well, we'll talk about that, but it's not going to be my choice. Yeah. Spoiler. Wow. I don't know. I'm not sure. That That's going
0: to... Ooh. If you want a hand... In this process, do yeah. give us a, a tweet and vote on our polls. Again, that's at TMT underscore media. Princess Bride, Raging Bull are in the Movie Hall of Fame. This week, a third film will join them again from the that's year strange. 1995. The year of our birth. The year of our births?
1: Yeah. The year of... Yeah, the Isn't most, that crazy? The most important year of our lives, right? Yeah, I guess I think by definition, (laughs) if that year didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. Yeah, and this podcast wouldn't exist. Like if we just like skipped over two thousand and four, like whatever, it's the same life basically for us. (laughs) Pretty much, we don't. I don't care about all those newborns in two thousand and four, right? At all, doesn't doesn't matter to me, right?
0: But if we if if we just like time traveled through nineteen ninety five and pretended that year didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. (laughs) So I think you are right. By definition, it's the most important year. Yes. Anyway, it's also the year of Captain Marvel, the new Marvel film. That's why we chose it, because that's the year Captain Marvel takes place.
1: Captain Marvel, by the way, a movie I have seen. Oh, yeah. Good for you. I haven't seen it yet. Abby has seen it. Yeah. What did she think of it? She's like, yeah, I liked it. It's not like the best thing ever, but I I liked it. I was like, okay, that's kind of what I figured. Yeah. It's uh. It's kind of a piece of shit. Okay. It's sort of kind of a piece of shit. Wow. So it what, was what, what does it that was. even mean, sort of kind of a piece of shit? You go from, like, very vague to, like, absolute. What is, what is that? Well, it's a Marvel movie, so there's just, like,
0: a general level of decency to all of them. Sure. And it's whatever on all of those levels. The performances are fine, the script is whatever, and the direction is just a more gray version of what we've seen over the last five Marvel movies. Okay. They all sort of just look the same at this point, And that's what this is. It doesn't really have a distinct directorial style mm-hmm. because the directors of the movie who, uh, previously worked on half Nelson and other independent movies. Uh, let me pull up their names real quick. Um, they, uh, let me, where's the IMDB here? Captain Marvel. Uh, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck. They did Half Nelson, another movie called Mississippi Grind. They're sort of weird choices for the job. Yeah. I'm not really sure why they were chosen for this in the first place. Don't they do that frequently, though, with Marvel movies? Well, I think the Russo brothers sort of changed the trajectory for them. Because at first they were hiring, like, the John Favros of the world and the James Gunn's of the world, who are a little more distinct visual directors and then the Russo brothers come in who only did tv work before Captain America um what is it the Winter Soldier
1: part yes. 2 they directed and it shows in their marvel movies that they only did tv work right well it's a tv sensibility
0: yeah. and i guess you can make of that what you will mm-hmm. but it worked well for them because the marvel movies are a tv show <laughs> so they hired more people that i think Would be able to lend some sort of voice, but nothing too distinct to ruin the product that people have come to expect.
1: Did did the producers even see Half Nelson, though? No, I, I mean, I don't know. Clearly not. I mean, there's nothing visually striking about that movie at all. No. Even from an independent spectrum, I couldn't really tell you who any of those guys were. It's just a bunch of indie people making an indie film. Could right. have been anybody. It's a good movie, but I mean, I mean, I don't know what sticks out about that movie from a directorial standpoint. No, the writing is good. Yeah, yeah.
0: And same with Mississippi Grind, which I would recommend that everybody watch because that movie is so good. But that's just like a quirky buddy comedy about gambling. Mm-hmm. It's not like a blockbuster. It's not one even. And even though like it has two big movie stars in it, they're not really, you know heroic sure they're not really like larger than life personas on screen so again I don't know why these are the two choices other than the fact that they just wouldn't color outside the lines too much which is what Disney and Bob Iger want so they didn't do that here and I'm kind of upset that they didn't do that because what we got was basically just another version of the same story.
1: Yeah, well, they're all the they're, they're they are all the same movie. Yeah, and I don't know why people are this excited to keep going to 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 get them. It's not even presented differently, right? right. Okay. No, in this case, it certainly isn't. Okay. It's just another Captain America
0: movie. Okay, with some like Ant Man vibes. Okay, <laughs> it literally has the same sure. plot as Ant Man and the Wasp. Did you see Ant-Man and the Wasp? Of course I didn't. Okay. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp is like, where's Michelle Pfeiffer? We have to
1: find Michelle Pfeiffer. That's the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, they find Michelle Pfeiffer. This movie is... (laughs) Wait, they find Michelle Pfeiffer as in, like, the actress Michelle Pfeiffer? No. The character Michelle Pfeiffer is playing, who I believe is a scientist that gets
0: trapped in an atomic wormhole. Cool. And... Uh <laughs> in this movie it's like, where's Annette Benning? We have to find Annette Benning.
1: <laughs> so they look for Annette Benning. I, I saw a trailer and on first glance I thought it was Diane Keaton for whatever stupid reason. No, it's Annette Benning, okay. who is so totally out of place in this movie. I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, I know who that is and what what is she doing in this movie? Add her to the long list of
0: old movie stars that are confused by their roles in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Just put her right underneath the Michael
1: Douglas. I was just about to say Michael Douglas.
0: Michael Douglas, Robert Redford, all of these like classic big name 70 year old Hollywood actors are just slumming it in the latest Marvel movies. Anthony and it annoys Hopkins. Me. Oh my God,
1: yes. Anthony Hopkins in three Thor movies. Jesus Christ. It's such a good cast, too. Yeah. Jude Law's wasted in this. Mike, I heard Brie Larson ain't that good in this. I could not agree more. <laughs> Those complaints are correct. That's surprising. I heard she's like obnoxious. (laughs) Why are you surprised? Because I like Brie Larson.
0: Have you ever seen a Brie Larson performance where you were like, she needs to be the action hero? No, but I like Brie Larson. (laughs) Well, that's, but again, you can like Brie Larson while still recognizing she's not really Wonder Woman.
1: No, I
0: guess. She's not even Gal Gadot. Like Like Gal
1: Gadot is more of a... He keeps mispronouncing I'm her not, name, dude. He literally is mispronouncing her name after I've I've shown him a video of Gal Gadot saying Gal Gadot and he still so insists. Gal, so Gal Gadot. Oh,
0: my God. Um, is like an ass kicking or at least a convincing ass
1: kicking superhero. Sure. Brie Larson, not that type. I don't know. She, I looked at her. She like she she right now. She looks fine, I suppose, for the part. She doesn't. I don't think she does either. I, uh, I, I disagree. I don't know. if She looks out of place. I just heard that her performance was just
0: not that great. She's not a convincing woman behind the gun. Okay. You know, she's just not. As I say, she's not Gal Gadot. She's not Chris Evans or even Chris Pratt. She's mm-hmm. just sort of this weird, quirky performer that. Wants to be meta, but the movie doesn't allow her to be meta. Like, if they wanted to go that direction with it, and and I think that's sort of what you're hinting at, she could be a pretty good untraditional superhero. Okay. But the movie doesn't take steps to paint her as an untraditional superhero. Gotcha. So you have no choice but to compare
1: her to Gal Gadot. And in my opinion, she falls flat. Yeah, everyone's been comparing her to Wonder Woman. And people are actually saying, oh my god, DC did it better. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
0: No, it's true. Yeah. Also, the 90s nostalgia is so annoying. I
1: heard... It's really annoying. <sighs> the... you, you told me that Nirvana is played in this. Yes. Which doesn't feel right to me being in any superhero film. She's like wearing this. a Nine Inch
0: Nails t-shirt <laughs> <laughs>
1: throughout like, what? like an hour of this movie. I wonder how Trent Reznor would feel about that. Yeah,
0: it's very... I don't know. It's very like surface level nostalgia. It's not like the type of nostalgia that understands what made the 90s great. Mm-hmm. It's just... The type of nostalgia where it's like, oh, yeah, these were songs that you might have listened to 30 years ago. Let's play them again completely out of context. Okay. It's just very on the nose. Like Brie Larson at the end of this movie in the climactic scene is kicking all these asses on a spaceship because the movie takes place in outer space kind of. And the no doubt song. I'm just Mm. a girl is playing in the background.
1: I heard that. It's like, bro, can we be a little more clever, a little more subtle about this? (laughs) No, I heard that that's, uh, everyone's actually been talking about that uh, action sequence specifically. And yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I think I only heard negative things about it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. This movie sucks. All right.
0: Also, the social commentary is very heavy handed. It's
1: It's a Marvel movie. Like this is, this is (sighs) not your outlet for social commentary. It doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. I'm sorry.
0: Just be a fun movie, man. Just be Guardians. Yeah. It may me just long for Guardians even more. Those are the only movies that work for me in this whole I know. series.
1: I'm getting sick and tired of any sort of agenda. It doesn't. It did. It doesn't work in tentpole movies like this for me. I don't because I don't think it, they anyone behind it really believes what they're saying. Ben Mendelsohn is good. I heard. Yeah, as a guy with a mask on his face the entire movie. So what?
0: He plays the Scroll Lord. Okay.
1: I don't know. Talos. I don't know. That's the name of the character? I had a friend who really wanted to go see it with me, and I mean, I guess I, I would see it just to hang with him, but... Uh, Jude Law plays Jan rogg One of the villains in the movie. Spoiler. Yeah. It's so dumb. He's a Kree. They say in, in Guardians of the Galaxy that the Kree are evil. It's not a spoiler. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, that's what the Kree are from? If you're
0: not... The, oh, that makes sense, because the Collector... Was, was that his name? Not the Collector, the... The other Ronan? One. Ronan the what is the, the accuser. The I love that name, by the way. The accuser. Ronan the accuser. Yeah. It. Pops up in this movie. Okay.
1: There you go. There and you he's go. like talking
0: to Jude Law at the beginning. And I was like, oh, I know that character from something, but I couldn't remember if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Oh, he's a bad guy. He's okay. a bad guy. <laughs> well, that makes sense. That sort of spoils the movie for you then. Who gives a shit? Anyway, in honor of Captain Marvel, here <laughs> are your nominees. For the 1995 Movie Hall of Fame, only one of them will get inducted, Adam Hall. The nominees, as drafted last week, (sighs) Babe, The Usual Suspects, Before Sunrise, Toy Story, Seven, and Heat. Okay. Going to be a contentious one. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle in, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Not for the first two maybe for the yeah okay yeah
0: you want to hear more about the year 1995 in film
1: uh yeah go go ahead the
0: 1995 oscars your best picture nominees were sense insensibility il postino the postman babe apollo 13 mm-hmm. and your winner for best picture
1: braveheart which no one expected to win, oddly. Is that right? That was a surprise, yeah. Mel Gibson was, was like, what the fuck is going on? Who was the favorite, Apollo 13? It was, oh God, was it that or Sens- Sensibilities? Could have been. Yeah.
0: Never seen Sense Sensibility.
1: But they were like kind of, everyone thought that they would uh, vote against him because he was kind of a newbie yeah. in, the, in the film industry. He'd only directed one movie before then, you know, and he certainly hadn't directed a film like Braveheart.
0: Right. We did not nominate Braveheart, by the way, for yeah. the Movie
1: Hall of Fame. That's too bad. Even though I like Braveheart more than mm, one of those movies. <laughs> I'm putting this all on you. Yeah. Oh, I'm putting it all on you, bro. It's fine. It's funny.
0: Mel Gibson <laughs> wins Best Director. Nick Cage wins Best Actor for really Leaving weird. Las Vegas. Really weird. Susan Sarandon wins Best Actress for Dead Men Walking. Dead Man Walking. I'm sorry. Best Supporting Actress goes to Mir- Mira Sorvino for Ma- Mighty Aphrodite. And Kevin Spacey wins best supporting actor for the usual suspects as verbal kint. Mm. Highest grossing movie in 1995 Toy Story with $373 million. Cool. Second was Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Third, Apollo 13. Four, Golden Eye. And five, Pocahontas.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'm also upset that we didn't get Apollo 13 on there, even though you couldn't care less about that movie. Again, I, I blame you, bro. Again, I... Kinda, yeah, I you I... need
0: to accept responsibility. You're the one that wanted to nominate the quirky rom-com and the movie about a talking pig. Quirky so rom-com. So don't... So look, bro, don't <laughs> come at me being like, why isn't Apollo
1: 13... I, I, my thoughts on Apollo 13 have been made clear. Yes, I know. I still think both of those movies are better than Apollo 13. You still (laughs) wanted to put the fucking Talking Pig movie on. I like that better than Apollo 13. (laughs) Only one movie
0: from the year 1995 is on the National Film Registry, or I should say, one feature length motion picture Mm. on the National Film Registry. That movie is? Toy Story. Correct. Some other movies that we did not nominate that I regret not nominating, or at least were in consideration The Quick and the Dead. Marty Scorsese movie with Nick Cage,
1: Friday, starring Ice Cube, Die Hard with a. Did you say The Quick and the Dead, Marty Martin Scorsese? What the hell are you talking about? Quick and the Dead is a Sam Raimi film that takes place in the Wild West. Which one's the Nick the? uh... Bringing out the dead. Oh, bringing out the dead. (laughs) Oops, like completely different films.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I I messed that up. It's like wait 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 what what? Oh right. What? (laughs) I've never seen The Quick and the Dead. It's okay. Oh yeah, bringing out the dead. I like bringing out the dead, though. I don't.
1: Okay, but that's fine.
0: Well, Friday also came out that year. Die Hard with a Vengeance.
1: Mm, I love that one. The second best Die Hard movie. Accurate. Wow. Fist bump. Agreement. Yep. How, how do you like that? Nah, it's not even a what, like. What else? <laughs> well, people like Die Hard too. Yeah, people even like Die Hard Four. <laughs> you know what they don't like? What? Die Hard Five. No, that that film can go fuck itself. Braveheart,
0: again, doesn't get on there because you neglected to nominate it. Same with Apollo 13. Pocahontas. Pretty good movie. Clueless, I've never seen, but has gained sort of a cult following as a comedy in recent years. It's okay. Clockers. Haven't seen it. uh, Mallrats. Haven't seen it. Get Shorty. Okay. Good movie. Pretty good uh, action comedy. Leaving Las Vegas, as we said, Nick Cage wins the Oscar for it. It's a great movie I never want to see again. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Terrible movie with one great scene. Yes. The American President. You just saw recently, right? Mm-hmm. Good one. Shouldn't be nominated, though. Also starring Annette Bening. Yes, I know. Love that movie. Aaron Sorkin. Early mm. Sorkin. Early. Yeah, that's right. Laid the groundwork for one of my favorite television shows of all time, The West Wing. Oh. You Basically, the, the entire cast... Of the American president is in the West Wing in some capacity besides Michael Douglas. I was just and about saying say Michael Douglas, but Martin Sheen plays the chief of staff and American president. And he goes on to play the president in the West Wing. A lot of similar characters, a lot of overlap. Cool. I have not seen the West Wing again because I don't. I don't watch television. Yeah, and you're wrong to do so. <laughs> Jumanji. Ooh, Jumanji! One of my favorite movies from my love childhood. Jumanji, yeah,
1: not starring The Rock and Kevin Hart. That's that's when we should revisit, by the way, because we've been talking about revisiting certain films on another show. Yeah, that's not a bad one. We could do that.
0: Yeah, it's not bad. And uh, Casino, yeah, not on the list.
1: I like Casino. I know you don't really care for the. Casino. I don't just because it's basically Goodfellas karaoke style. So what? What's wrong with that? I don't know. <laughs> just. I, uh, uh.
0: <laughs> i've seen it before if no listen if goodfellas didn't exist i'd love casino but it's the same movie
1: <laughs> same tone
0: same style same actors for god's sake sure,
1: yeah yeah
0: she's but, great can, in it what about i was just about to say what about sharon stone sharon stone's awesome in that movie what about james woods as a scumbag pretty good in that movie sharon stone
1: steals <laughs> oh my the show god i fucking love sharon stone pesci
0: is sort of like a parody of himself at that point though
1: I will admit, and this is funny coming from me, uh, the amount of F-words in that film is obnoxious. It is pretty crazy. Like, I remember watching it with my brother for the first time, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this. I I don't like the amount of swears in this movie. Yeah, it takes an- you out of it. It's annoying. It's the first time I've ever said that about any film, because usually I'm a big proponent of, you know, profanity and, you know, over-the-top You're a big user of profanity. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I need to fix that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you need to fucking get that together, bro. Fuck you, Nico um, The fuck you talking about? That's what I should have said God damn it Fuck you, you Jew motherfucker <laughs> Love that line Do you have to use so many cuss words?
0: <laughs> Casino
1: That's not. That's a completely different film again But, you know, it's, it's appropriate Yeah, until I saw Wolf of Wall Street I, I didn't realize
0: how much excess Martin Scorsese was capable of That's his biggest flaw And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks as well Is that he can some, sometimes Get a little too excessive
1: I sometimes like the excessivity, if, if that's even a word. Um, but uh, yeah, other times it is a bit much, I agree. Yeah. Like okay. Bringing Out the Dead kind of, stylistically, I suppose.
0: My opinion is that we nominated the wrong movies, but that's just me. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Oh, you're probably right. This one was a fun one just for me, though. I believe we nominated the wrong ones. <laughs> okay. Let's start with Let's a, a debate, shall we? A, de- a debate? Let's start. Let's just start with it. What do you mean? Babe. Oh, babe. Babe. Oh, you don't like babe. Babe, baby. I don't not like babe. It's just, why is this on this list? (laughs) Because it's great. (laughs) Directed by Chris Noonan, written by Chris Noonan and George Miller. One of your favorites. Yep. You would have sex with that man if given the
1: opportunity. I have had sex with that man.
0: Starring James Cromwell, Christine Cavanaugh, and Hugo Weaving made 254 million dollars worldwide upon its release nominated for 7 Oscars sure
1: 7 i'm fine
0: with that it's a great movie best film editing best art direction best adapted screenplay best director best supporting actor and for it, james cromwell and one best visual effects yeah and finally best picture I've said this. I don't think it's the worst movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture, but it's certainly the most random. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a more out-of-place movie in the Best Picture category ever. I'm fine with that.
1: Right? The, what is this movie doing in a Best Picture category? It's a because it's a great movie. Fun fact, by the way, uh, when George Miller was trying to figure out how to do proper visual effects to get the mouth, the, uh, the, the pig to actually talk, to make that convincing... He consulted a f- filmmaker by the name of uh, Stanley Kubrick in order to make it work. So, yes. Yeah, Stan- Am I supposed to be impressed by that? That's pretty... Stanley Kubrick had a hand in this movie. Stanley Kubrick saying? had a hand in Babe. God damn
0: it. Won the Golden Globe for best motion picture comedy or musical. Number 80 on AFI's most inspiring movies list. Mm-hmm. Adam, why the fuck are we talking about, babe? (laughs) And what's the obsession with... Seriously, (laughs) what is the infatuation with this movie among you and critics? What do you mean? It's a charming, delightful film. How does this movie get nominated for Best Picture and Toy Story doesn't, is what I'd like to know. (sighs) Yo, don't even fucking (laughs) start with me. Don't even start. (laughs) I'm not
1: ready to have this conversation. It's too early in the day, bro. Uh, I mean, I mean... (sighs) I can see, I guess I can see from the Oscars perspective why it gets nominated. I mean, something like Toy Story is so radical and new that they're not ready to, I guess, accept it. Whereas something like Babe is more in line with the Oscars wheelhouse, I suppose. I mean, again, like in terms of the type of film that it is, as far as like the way it's structured and made and everything like that, how fluffy the movie is, it's closer to an Oscar film at that time.
0: Is it a better movie?
1: Uh, I I put it up there with Toy Story. I love Babe. I'm not (laughs) not going to... Don't worry. We're not going that far with this. You can can rest easy, but... I have a theory. (laughs) I think you're just a big George Miller stan. No, I've... Well, i th- I don't I don't even think it's George Miller. I think it's just because this is one of the earliest films I ever saw. Okay, and I actually saw it very recently before I became like a big George Miller fan, and I was just like, "Wow, this movie! I I I, I miss this movie. I really, really missed it. I watched it with my parents and my brother, and we're even my older brother who's twenty seven, and he's just like." Fuck. I forgot how good that movie actually is. It's a delightful was. little it's movie. It's delightful, inspiring, and just, it's just a, it, you bundle up in, into a couple blankets and watch it, and it's just, it just makes you happy.
0: It's delightful. Yes. It has a delightful performance
1: by James Cromwell, who mm-hmm. is one of our great character actors. When I think of James Cromwell, I think of him dancing in front of a pig, goddammit. I think of him as Jack Bauer's father, before. I on know 24, you do. I, I, knew, way, I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> Of course. Or LA Confidential. The
0: police no. chief in L.A. Confidential. He's mm. great in that. He is good in that. I love James Cromwell. Oh, yeah. That dude gets work. I don't know why he's, like, best supporting actor in this movie, though. Are they saying he's supporting to the pig? <laughs> the pig is the lead actor in this movie? <laughs> Who is he supporting?
1: <laughs> the pig is the main character. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that makes him a supporting actor? Yep. All right. To, I to guess. I don't know how he gets numb Again, like, bro. Best editing, best art design, whatever. Best visual effects, that's fine. Best screenplay? That's a little weird. Best director? Are we... Who are we kidding
1: here? It's a little weird. Who are we kidding? And I agree with that, yeah. Yeah,
0: we're just sort of overstating how charming the movie is, and it is a charming little movie, but it's Mm -hmm. an insignificant movie that means a lot to kids and not much to everyone else. It meant a lot to adults, not really, bro. Sure, I I, I disagree with have you. you ever,
1: the people love this movie. Listen,
0: <laughs> I also watched Babe as a child, yeah. and I enjoyed it as a child. I don't remember much from it because I didn't rewatch it as much as I rewatched Toy Story. But now, if I try watching either of these movies, Toy Story still has a lot of stuff for me, and Babe doesn't have as much. Mm-hmm. Babe has like a little bit of social commentary in there with the getting along and sort of the bigotry between the sheep and the dogs yep. and which there's, makes it a little more timely you okay know. like there's a little bit of stuff in there there's some very light commentary but this is a movie
1: for kids It's something, through and through I feel like you could learn more from something like Babe than maybe Toy Story it doesn't necessarily mean I think uh, it's a better movie than Toy Story but you know for kids yeah sure I just don't know why this movie like, that. that's all I'm trying to figure out. I think it's just because of your stigma towards films that have talking animals in them. I fucking hate talking animals. I know. Movies. Oh, I hate them! And that's okay. <laughs> that's a valid criticism. They, oh, that, they bother me so they're, much. They're, you're, you're, and you're not the first person. There's the, the, people everywhere just like, I like movies, I like movies, but whenever I see something that's live action and has fucking talking animals, I can't do it. Takes
0: me right out of it. And that's okay. Because it's so goofy. Mm-hmm. The lips never look realistic. Yeah, it, it, it just unless it's like the jungle book or something.
1: Yeah, you those, know? that's not even live action. Really?
0: No, I'm talking if you put a puppy on camera and you just move his mouth pantomime style. Well,
1: for me, usually it's just it's just a terrible, stupid, silly movie that has, you know, no real substance to it. And there's nothing charming or real about it. And uh, I can't learn much from it. I can't get any real joy out of watching it. And, I, and babe is the exception. You know, it's okay, notable. I have literally way. nothing else to say about it. What do you have to say? It's 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 oddly one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Doesn't mean I think it's the best on this list. Don't worry, Nico, you can calm down. <laughs> but yes, I I I adore everything about this movie. And fun fact, the the sequel's even better. <laughs> Pig in the city is fucking weird, but it's literally Mad Max with pigs. <laughs> I hate you, and it's great. <laughs> I say this with great
0: joy. I am
1: crossing Babe off the list <laughs> with great joy. Oh, great! great don't pleasure. kill the pig. I take great don't pleasure in pigs, this moment. You piece it is of crossed shit. off.
0: Oh, I've never. I've been waiting
1: <laughs> two weeks to do that. Oh, that brings me so much joy. Uh, you, you have no soul. You say I have no soul. Goodbye, you know, Babe. You bastard. this <laughs> <best> picture, guys. <laughs> All right. The Usual Suspects also came
0: out in 1995. It's directed by Brian Singer, written by Christopher McQuarrie, the former, the director of Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Not if you ask the Oscars, but if you ask everyone else. And Christopher McQuarrie, the director behind the latest Mission Impossible movies, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Cruise's most recent collaborator or frequent collaborator. He's also doing the new Top Gun movie. Yeah has really carved out a nice career for himself as an action director and stunt coordinator on top of his ability as a screenwriter. I was
1: really surprised when I saw his name on the list. Who uh, directed Les Samurai? It might have, might have been him. No, it was Edward Zwick, I think is his name. Yeah, no, it wasn't him. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was Christopher McQuarrie.
0: But no. Anyway, good career for Chris McQuarrie. Starring, of course, Kevin Spacey, Gabriel Byrne, Chaz Palminteri... Benicio Del Toro in a breakout role. I know. Didn't really do much before this. This was the movie that brought him into the public's attention. Kevin Pollack, Stephen Baldwin, the worst Baldwin, and Giancarlo Esposito, future star of Breaking Bad, Mm -hmm. grossed $34 million worldwide, nominated for two Oscars, including Best Supporting Actor and Best Original Screenplay, won them both. Yep. AFI's number 10 mystery film of all time interesting and verbal kint listed as the number 48 villain of all time spoiler alert
1: (laughs) usual suspects what say you yeah I like it okay well why don't you seem so enthusiastic because I'm really not that enthusiastic about it this is my least favorite film on the list wow yeah okay I could I sort of put it on there at the last minute
0: over Braveheart and Apollo 13.
1: Mm, and I disagree with that. And you don't
0: agree. You think both movies are better. Significantly better. Okay. Here's my argument. It's a culturally significant movie. Yeah. And that's part of it. I would say... Braveheart isn't? I would say it's probably more fondly remembered than Braveheart by the popular audience. Yeah. I, I do.
1: I, that's an argument for another day, I suppose. I do. I
0: I, I just think it's a just sort of visually if you see that poster it's a very iconic movie poster
1: do you remember the i mean you remember the poster but what about the the movie well
0: kaiser Sose is a memorable name who is kaiser Sose was an interesting marketing campaign
1: you you know you know uh even i would even say that you know mel gibson holding his claymore i disagree if, with that
0: no i think i think the poster from usual suspects is one of the
1: most iconic movie posters sure but like like they may take our lives but they will never take our freedom
0: is it better than the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist yep
1: what a great quote it's a great quote but it's not that what i just said
0: <laughs> also had an incredible twist sort of kickstarted an era of cinematic twists mm-hmm. after that movie there was great like a great twist oh an amazing amazing tri- twist. twist yeah a twist did you know that was coming the first time you watched it
1: no, actually, I didn't. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, no, I didn't. I, See,
0: I unfortunately knew who Kaiser Soze was. It was sort of in the yeah. lexicon by that point. So. I,
1: I had known. It was that that was like my sixth sense experience. Like I already knew what was going to happen in that case as well. Which was, <sighs> it doesn't it suck? Well, in the, both of these cases, it doesn't matter as much as long as the experience leading up to it is satisfying. Yeah. And in this case, it's true. There's something about this movie, though. That just never... I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of trouble loving this movie. And I, I still... Even now, I'm not really sure why.
0: Hmm. Because
1: I, I i don't... No, you can go. Okay. I, I just... It, it could be that
0: it's a little clean. Yeah. It's a very clean feeling. And I... its Especially of movies of that era. You look at a movie like Seven, which came out that year. And even other heist movies. You see what Steven Soderbergh did. Yeah. Years and years later. The movie just sort of has a very efficient, clean sensibility to it. Brian Singer, the way that he shoots his characters, is it's very... It actually works in something like X-Men. It's very comic book-like, which is why I think he had so much success with the X-Men movies. Usual Suspects doesn't feel real. It almost feels like yeah. this mythic, pulpy-type story. Not so much like a great gritty heist movie
1: yeah i agree you know because it, it, i always yeah i guess that's true there is something about it that feels more theatrical than your normal heist film yeah that's a good word for it it's way over the top in that way sometimes especially the scene where uh they get pete postel in the elevator yeah and he's just standing above him it's a cool shot but at the same time i'm like this feels like a different movie at that point right and then whole, the whole mythos surrounding kaiser soze as well is is equally as over the top and I know. I don't know. I oh, it is over the top. This is a pulp story. I never really bought into it, though. I suppose, like, and as ha- for how scary that character is supposed to be, yeah. Aside from, I guess, the very end on the boat, it's kind of creepy. But, but I don't know. I I even thought that, like, on rewatch, the 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 twist itself is significantly less impactful for me. It's it's not like with the Sixth Sense where I watch it and it's still there's something about that twist that is just emotionally resonant for me. And I don't know. Maybe it's just the the way they use Bruce Willis's character, but I I don't I don't really care about the the build up to to Kaiser Sose being revealed as much anymore. Okay, as much as I used to.
0: I do love the shot though when he's limping around and all of a sudden yeah. the limp becomes a regular walk. I feel yeah. like it's very well executed. Yes, it's
1: great. Again, I do
0: wish that I was in the theater when I saw it or, uh,
1: for the first time. Kevin Spacey uh, playing a piece of shit. Yeah. What else yeah. is new? Also.
0: <laughs> An incredible run for Kevin Spacey. He is in two movies that we're talking about this year and two very iconic movies. Mm-hmm. And that, again, leads to L.A. Confidential and American Beauty. He wins two Oscars for both American Beauty and this movie.
1: Do you like American Beauty? No.
0: Okay. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely don't. Um,
1: I love Benicio in this movie. And this is the other thing. Like, I, I like him. I, 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 Like, best supporting actor? i feel like he's sort of inconsequential in this movie well kevin spacey won best supporting actor Benicio was not nominated i thought he was nominated
0: no 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 kevin spacey wins best supporting actor even though he's sort of the lead okay yeah he gets supporting for this
1: no i i just thought that Benicio, like i i I don't know there's not enough of him in the film for me to really like love him as much as some people do although what well i was going to say the 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 not the interrogation scene where they're the, the lineup scene yes that's wonderful yeah say it in english Oh God. Yeah. So speaking okay.
0: English. Yeah. He's uh okay. he's listen, he's over the top and he's goofy, but that's sort of the persona that Benicio has created for himself over the last several decades. Mm-hmm. And this is the movie that sort of establishes that. Yeah. And he's just sort of like this weird performer in our culture. Mm-hmm. He does this, but then he can also do Sicario and Traffic and some of the more down the middle dramatic performances and then he can show up in star wars and be this <laughs> quirky true. little side character yeah. and i i just feel like He's got as a, a as an as an installation in his filmography this this movie does explain a lot if you want to know what benicio del toro is all about watch this movie mm-hmm. and there's not many performers that i think can pull it off as goofy as he does because it's a very goofy performance and he makes a lot of goofy choices
1: yeah like he's in he himself i wouldn't call a goofy performer he's just incredibly dynamic he has a lot of range yeah. more, more so than most actors because i think like a, the the best example of that if you compare the way he is and say uh uh even, honestly yeah something like this and then you contrast that with the way he is in sicario right but i think the it, they're equally as good performances for me personally but they're on totally different ends of the spectrum yes
0: which no is sicario is a quiet brooding
1: mm. mysterious performance and
0: this is just—I don't know what the hell he's saying. His accent is so thick. Yep. <laughs> I kind of prefer this version to the Sicario version, if if I'm being picky about it. But I don't know. That's just more my thing. I like when actors make weird choices, True. and I don't mind when actors overact. You know that about me too.
1: Give me the keys, you cocksucker, motherfucker. The movie.
0: Actually is one of those title came before the story movies. It is. It is. Okay. So the Casablanca quote, round up the usual suspects. Mm. I guess Brian Singer was reading an article about Casablanca and it was titled round up the usual suspects. Okay. And he's like, oh, that would be a great idea for a movie. Brings it to Christopher McQuarrie, who he had been collaborating with for a number of years. And they thought up this idea about five guys in front of a police lineup. What is their story? And they went from there. They began with the usual suspects and then they sort of turned it into a heist movie. Because the movie isn't really a mystery. The only mystery is who's Kaiser Soze. Yeah, pretty much. There's not like a somebody got murdered. Now we got to find out who murdered this person. It's about five suspects who end up pulling off a heist. And uh, again, there's no like central whodunit to the story. Um, But yeah, that's it. Oddly, title came before the story. Wow, okay. I really like this movie. I do. And I and no, I, I like it. I do, I do. Yeah, and I also think in if we're talking about cultural significance, the criteria of course, quality, legacy, impact. It's one of I the think, better ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think
1: Usual Suspects has at least two of them. There's something about it though, like even with its legacy and its impact. It's just I don't know. It doesn't go all the way for me. Yeah. Okay. Not, not even, not, and there's another film on this list, which we're, where we might debate a little bit, but even that one, they're just, uh, there's something about with how good that one film is that just honestly for me overcomes those other two Yeah. where I feel bad, not, not, you know, sticking it above usual suspects. I don't know what it is. Just there's, this is one of those films that I, like I do like, but it almost fits into the category of, I appreciate it more than I actually like it. Okay. You know what I mean? So, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah. All right. Frustrating. Usual suspects. There good, it is. no, good movie. Good, good movie. movie. Yeah, good. Before sunrise. Yeah.
0: Directed by Richard Linklater. Written by Richard Linklater and Kim krizen Believe it or not, the script was brought to Linklater, and then he and Ethan Hawke basically rewrote the whole thing. Isn't that the story? No,
1: it's not. No. So my Wikipedia reading was totally off. Uh. Well, okay, so – well, kind of. You're, you're sort of right. He, like, it's Linklater's idea because Linklater it's, – it's semi-autobiographical. It was, it was based on a woman that uh, Linklater met when he was on vacation or something, and he started writing it, and then he gives it to Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke says the script sucks, and then they start writing it together. So he kind of – yeah.
0: See, what I understood is that the studio presented Linklater with the script, and it wasn't a romance – Mm, no that's it was ju- and so and Linklater's exact words from again what i read on wikipedia take that for what you will <laughs> was if this was just an original script and it didn't have anyone else's name on it i probably couldn't have gotten it produced okay so it, th- it might have just been like one of those instances where the framework for the story exists and maybe like the title exists but okay. him
1: and ethan Hawke just totally made it their own thing yes now that could be true yeah yeah Um, and my, my feelings on this movie, by the way, this is Richard Linklater's best movie. Whoa. This is his best movie. I think by far. Whoa. I mean, uh, whoa. What would I put above that? Jesus. I don't know. I really don't know. It's also the best romance film ever made. Okay. Um, here's my opinion. I don't think it's the best before
0: movie. Do you go before sunset? I go before midnight. Okay. I go before midnight. All right. I do. That's I think there's something about where those actors are in their lives, mm-hmm. the maturity of it. It's a lot cleaner than before sunrise, and it's a lot more polished, and mm-hmm. it's funny. Ethan Hawke's such an interesting actor, and I, I could do two hours talking about Ethan Hawke <laughs> on a podcast. He starts out with Dead Poets Society. Uh-huh. Shows up with reality bites in 94. (laughs) And that's sort of like the, oh, Ethan Hawke is here and he's a heartthrob. Yeah. And then in 95, he does this movie. And it seems like the next 20 years of his career were a sort of like a a rail against reality bites. It's almost like I'm not a heartthrob. I want to do the gritty independent thing. Yeah. I want to be in training day. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, he bounces around all of these, frankly, pretty shitty independent movies for the next 30 sure. years of his career. And it feels like just now, the before midnight Ethan Hawk and just last year, the first reformed Ethan Hawk are the fully realized version of him as an actor. Okay, And I, there's something about even boyhood. He's great in boyhood yeah, too. And it's funny that you can actually watch 12 years of Ethan Hawke. In Boyhood, he starts as this punkish kid who doesn't exactly know who he wants to be yet as a performer, and by the end of the 12 years, he finally gets there. Mm -hmm. Um, That movie is strangely a
1: metaphor for his career in a lot of ways. Those movies are sort of shaped around the actual actors in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that that actually makes perfect sense that he would change in that way. Right.
0: Um, I I just, I don't know. I, I haven't really appreciated Ethan Hawke until the last few
1: years because well here's my thing is that i didn't appreciate ethan Hawke really until i saw before sunrise okay yeah and i was like oh wow okay this is who this guy is like and, and he's this very real and honest guy who you know he's he, it's what's what's the the description of the way he talks it's like this i guess you could call it postmodern, but he just talks about things in such an interesting way but it's i don't know it's uh <sighs> well like he's cynical about yeah. romance in the movie but at th- At his core, he's got a
0: lot of humanity. Yes, exactly. Like, he sort of puts on this front of, like, oh, fucking, who cares about this? There's no way we just fell in love uh, uh, on first sight on this train. But then at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Underneath that hard exterior, he's actually, like, a really, like heartfelt kid
1: but that's an idea that's thrown around in a lot of movies in general but I don't see it articulated as well here which is I guess why I like this movie more than uh, the other two in the series because I don't really relate to what's going on in before midnight, yet, anyway, yeah, I might get there, right, but uh there's something about the 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 portrayal of of two people falling in love in this that's just like yeah that that's what it is, yeah, you know, because before midnight, they're kind of already there, and they're tussling with it, you know, i don't know, what was it like twenty or thirty years later, or something like that and there's there's a slight disconnect i do like it a little more than before sunset and i mean full disclosure all these films are wonderful yes wonderful movies adam is obsessed with these movies love these i don't think like we've ever had a proper conversation on the podcast these all three of these films are phenomenal and everybody should see them if you can find them yeah they're kind of hard to find yeah they're well, just like on the Criterion Collection, basically, right? Which that in and of itself it makes me love the Criterion Collection. Even if I didn't already know what they were about beforehand, if I were just like looking for those movies, I'd be like, okay, whoever released these three in a package deserves all the love in the world because these <laughs> films. I mean, because no one knows about these films. Nobody yeah. know. And I, whenever I say, when people are always like, I don't know, uh, uh, Love Actually is the best romance ever made, or something like that, or uh, Love Story, whatever, and I'm like. No, it's 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 before sunrise, and they're like, what the hell is that? And I get really frustrated by that. You they're know? a little different, though, in terms of... Like, Love Actually is a
0: romantic comedy, and yeah. this one is a traditional theatrical romance. It feels like something that could have been portrayed on the screen a, a century ago. Mm-hmm. The newer sort of sensibility of romance that you see in Love Actually and other rom-coms When Harry Met Sally or Sleepless in Seattle or whatever. Like, that's a a different movie. They're in different leagues and I don't think it's really fair to compare them. I guess in broad strokes, the best movie with a romantic plot at its center, all right, this is in the conversation, sure. Um, We should mention, by the way, the plot, Ethan Hawke, Julie (laughs) No, 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 no,
1: no, no. What do you mean, plot?
0: Right, good point. There's no plot. What happens in the movie? They walk and they talk. That's the whole movie. That's the movie. The movie. <laughs> Ethan Hogg, Julie Delpy meet each other on a plane and they talk for 2 hours. On a train. Oh, on a
1: sorry, on a train <laughs> and talk for 2 hours. Yes. That's it. That's the movie. And they walk around uh Vienna. Yep. That's the movie. And that's the movie. And we just we literally just watch them fall in love through their conversations and and just just mutual understanding of one another. Right. It's so it's weird because it's so real and smart and honest and and it's like you just kind of get it, yeah. In in ways that m- movies couldn't even dream of, of of forming something, you know. I I mean, Jesus, like because I th- <laughs> I think of like movies like Interstellar, which are playing around <laughs> with themes of love. And yeah, it, but again, it's not. Like I know the it's same not the ambition. same. I know it's not the same movie. But if you're if you're talking about like 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 the power of love. <laughs> It's just like uh, you're such
0: a sap, bro. I know you're such a fucking sap. This listen, this is a great movie. Is it Linklater's best movie? Again, I think. What do you say? I think Before Midnight's better in the series. I think Days and Confused is a better movie. No, yeah, I see. I disagree with that. Yeah, I do. nah I think Days and Confused is better. I wouldn't put Boyhood ahead of
1: it. I wouldn't put. No, I. I I mean, if you show Days and Tape. No, I haven't. Tape's pretty good. Yeah, here it's really tape is lit. No, Dazed and Confused is like. uh, I think all the before films are better. I don't think they're as iconic as Dazed and Confused. Oh, certainly not. But Dazed and Confused is not as remembered as fondly by the generation it's about. (laughs) Fun fact. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's the. But it's
0: painfully accurate. That movie is painfully accurate about that generation. Oh yes,
1: about stoner culture. Yes, Mm. no question. I I would honestly point to Slacker as a better representation. Oh of Oh my god, you're such a hipster. And, and Slacker's not even close to being as good as any of these films we're talking about. But you know, and I, I now now I'm talking down about fucking Dazed and Confused. I don't want to do that, Nico, because I love Dazed and Confused. <laughs> I just I just don't think they they come even remotely close to the level of quality that we get in something like Before Sunrise. Like I'm no ne- thing is I've never seen anything like Before Sunrise before, and I'm never going to see anything like it ever again. Aside from those other two movies Okay here's my question yeah.
0: Are we gonna have to Nominate all three Of these before movies Are you gonna no. actually
1: do that No okay, i I'm, we're not gonna Well it, d- it depends though It depends on what came out In that year <sighs> That's the thing It just Here's the thing I, For people that have seen them
0: They love them it's not should. a movie with much of a legacy to it. Like no. you gave me shit for broadcast news. I agree. A few no, weeks I, and ago, that's, that's the thing. And it's like broadcast news is more significant culturally than these three movies by a mile. It's pretty close. <laughs> oh fuck off! <laughs> by the way, <laughs> yo, broadcast news was on the other day. Yeah. On HBO, put it on halfway through. I was stuck. Good. Stuck for an hour and a half. What do you want, dude? That you, movie's so good. Do you want me to? T- I, I like that, that movie. Movie's so good, bro. You're right. And we <laughs> sold that movie so short. Yeah. That movie's great. I know it's there's no movie. one wasted scene in that entire movie. Yes, it's a fantastic. movie Oh my movie. god, that movie's incredible. I will go as far to say I love that movie. My <laughs> my only point is this movie is not significant enough to put in the Hall of Fame. It's just not. Well, if we were going to, based off of like
1: genre, it certainly is, but... What do you mean? No, who's influenced by this movie? Probably certain filmmakers, but that's about it. Like? God, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. You can't point to one that's like... But if a I, movie that is based on
0: before sunrise or is influenced heavily by before sunrise
1: but there are movies that no one bases other films off of and that are still just great films you know but I'm, I'm just saying if i were to like like go through every genre like horror action drama romance this is number one it just is this is your best romance this is the best time. romance film ever made bar none and that's pretty notable it just is out of all films that have ever been made. I mean, come on. I think you're overstating I don't it too. think, no, no way. No, no. This is better than Casablanca. Yeah. This Cas- is a better Rom What are you talking about? <laughs> Casablanca's, again, veers into other territories as far as like, uh, its actual genre. Cause then you can- talk- It's a movie, but a romance! It has a romance in it. What are you and talking most, about? Most, Two people fall in love in the movie. Film, most films are about, have romances in them, or that's the central focus. Doesn't that, it's, that movie's more of like? We'll you know, always have Paris, bro. Sure, that 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 one feels more like a like a historical drama. Casablanca is not a romance. Now, that's so, your argument. I, I mean, you've talked to like fuck. Oh god, film professors. Jesus Christ, <laughs> they'll, they'll go into whether or not the debate on whether or not it's a noir, which. F- Pisses me off because it's not a fucking Casablanca and I noir. I know it's how because it's black and white and it's Humphrey Bogartson. It. It's like, it's where's the femme fatale? Where's the you could, I guess you could make the argument for Ingrid Bourbon's character in a sense, but eh.
0: you want to ask, uh, you want to ask AFI because AFI knows these things,
1: right? <laughs> Do they give Casablanca best romance? uh it's different though let's see it's not as purely r- romance oriented as something like this though i don't know hundred it, years hundred passions yes casablanca number one yeah there's something about before sunrise for me that just cuts out all the bullshit and just gets down down and dirty with it and it's just more effective for me i don't
0: so you think this is better than annie hall
1: yeah wow
0: i do yeah yeah you yeah. overstate things so i much. do <laughs> no no, I just. You know what? I can't get past. You were killing me for broadcast news. You were <laughs> you were slaughtering me
1: for broadcast but news. But you you said broadcast news was the best of that year. Yes, and you're you were you were gonna. You go... called this the best romance of all time, bro. Yeah, I can. I'm fine. No with one it. has seen this movie. So what if they never seen this? I don't give a fuck if, if any, went... nobody's ever
0: seen the movie. Because if you want to go as far to say something is the best of all time, it has to have some sort of a legacy around it. Does it? No. Yes, it does. does. Yes, it does. A movie has to be has to be of some influence to. No, 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 no. As I far as
1: quality it. is concerned, quality is subjective, bro.
0: <sighs> you're making a very you're making a very specific statement. Before Sunrise is the greatest romance of all time. The, so you need to point best. to yes. you need to point to another filmmaker that would agree with you or that says that it influenced them in a profound way. Do I need way. to do that
1: or just talk about like critics? I could probably who point who to the many Who cares about critics? We're we, we we doing this now. We can
0: argue quality all day, but the, yeah. but you cannot definitively say something is the number one Best movie of all time without something more than quality. That's the whole reason
1: of the Hall of Fame. That's why we're doing this. Well, when we're talking about the Hall of Fame, this goes into more than just quality, like you're saying, but that's also about legacy. Like, to me, I'm I'm strictly talking about quality right now. (sighs) I'm strictly talking about quality. And again, there are just some films that I know are, you know, not as significant as other movies. That doesn't mean they're not great films, though. I don't, I don't, in this thing, Nico, I don't care about popular legacy it doesn't matter to me it literally doesn't matter you to can me. say it's my favorite romance it is it is my time. favorite but, uh, but yeah, you can't just be like
0: it's the greatest romance of all time when you have no qualitative the... and quantitative facts to back up your point Well, of the view. most
1: i could point to is probably other filmmakers talking highly of it and you could probably find that and you could definitely find critics who will say that
0: Give me one movie that's similar to this movie, or that has the spirit of Before Sunrise imbued in it. Does it need to? I think it helps. Mm. I can, I can put it this way. Heat's on this list. Heat created the Dark Knight. <laughs> yes, the the Dark Knight is directly influenced by Heat Seven. If you look at all of David Fincher's catalog, including Zodiac, has signs of Seven in it. And there were several other serial killer movies that came after it that were directly influenced by Seven. Mm-hmm. Toy Story changed all of animated films. Okay. Those, you could argue, are the best in their genre because they had some sort of more profound impact. Before Sunrise did not. Before Sunrise is a nice independent movie
1: that real film nerds love. I can't point to a single film that's modeled after Casablanca. But every modern romance ever is modeled after no. Casablanca. No. Absolutely. No. The, the bro- what are you How about the bromance modern- at the end of the movie? Mo- modeled after? What are you talking Ab- about? What are you talking about, bro? Modeled after Casablanca? Every movie that has a
0: nostalgic love story in it is in some way influenced by Casablanca. You're telling me Casablanca
1: did not influence modern romance? I, I, w- I would say that that movie draws more inspiration from like Shakespeare literature than something like like, I'm not asking what influenced Casablanca. I'm saying what did
0: Casablanca influence?
1: No, like, fuck, you're talking, bro. Before Sunrise was influenced by Casablanca. I don't know about that. Stylistically, we're talking about filmmaking right now. Stylistically, in that way, I don't know, dude. I don't think so. There's not ma- <laughs> like like the great films. <sighs> there's a lot. There's a lot of like great films that people don't really copy. Hitchcock is, is, is the best example of people copying like all the time, I suppose. I can't believe your but, argument that this is the hill
0: you're willing to die on is that Casablanca did not influence modern filmmaking. That's your argument. Th- mm, that, that, are, is your argument that I before would, Sunrise influenced filmmaking no. more than Casablanca no, did? No, Okay. Why am I? What? So, what?
1: What is exactly your argument? Casablanca did not influence filmmakers. Uh, to make movies? To model their 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 style after. Did it change filmmaking? Yes or no? I don't know. Maybe it's it's one of the more popular films. It's not like Crit- uh, Citizen Kane though, where it literally changed the industry and in the way you decide to make films though. Like again, didn't influence cinematography. It's like no one models their films after Forrest Gump, do they? <laughs> no. Exactly. More, rightly so. Exactly. But that's a film that's arguably just as popular. All right.
0: Forrest Gump and (laughs) Casablanca on the same playing field for Adam Hall. Okay. Nice to see
1: where you stand on that. I love Casablanca, by the
0: way. No, you don't, bro. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You just said
1: Before Sunrise was a better movie than Casablanca. So you don't love it enough. I didn't say that. When did I say that Casablanca is a better film than Before Sunrise? No, Before Sunrise is a better movie than Casablanca. That's what you just said. Uh, No, I didn't. I said it's a better romance. Maybe not a better film though I'm done with you
0: I'm done with you <laughs> that,
1: That's a difference This movie is not getting Into the hall of fame this year Can we no. agree
0: on that N- Yes Good <laughs> But neither is usual suspects You didn't cross off The usual suspects Fine. <laughs> They're all gone Man you make me so angry Why do you make me Turn on movies that I like You always I- overstate it <laughs> You make me turn on movies That I love I really like the before movies I know These movies are made for me I love I love dialogue heavy yes yeah, character a, studies that's my jam bro it's a perfect movie for me i love noah bambach movies perf- but i'm not gonna nominate fucking
1: 10 <laughs> noah bambach movies for the hall of fame that's fine you have to give appreciation to the littler voices though otherwise what's the point i'm sorry but the bigger films just sometimes are not that worthy to me even if they have a legacy they're, they're just not all right black panther is gonna go down as a casablanca by the way, yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> it ju- <laughs> dude. Stop why is talking. That, why is that so? Why okay? Why is that so hard for you to believe? That
0: Black Panther is going to be thought of historically as Casablanca in the realm of
1: the the, the history of are film. Are you
0: are you saying that Casablanca is purely a cultural darling that did not have any influence on the film industry in any way? No, I'm not saying that. Because that's what Black Panther is. Black Panther didn't change shit. Black no. Panther was a popular movie that people saw. Yes, I know that. So how can you put that in, and that in Casablanca in the same category? I'm just talking
1: about the, the realm of, uh, of uh, again, like like the general public's view on a film. And yeah, it's it's probably going to be viewed similarly in the realm of the public. You know, again, I put Forrest Gump up there because it kind of is. It's not as important. I, it doesn't change anything. You're giving me a headache. So,
0: I, I, what are we arguing here? I don't understand what we're arguing. Your, is your argument that Casablanca is not one of Hollywood's great films? It is no. simply a no. film that is beloved
1: by audiences, and its legacy starts and ends there. Do we always end up talking about different things? Because I feel like I think I'm no, talking I, about something. Completely I think different I think you. we
0: are. I think we are. Because
1: I'm I'm not. I'm strictly talking about the public's view. You're talking about like like the the cinema, like the actual like. Well, what I'm saying the, is filmmakers that it, saw the film and wanted to make movies. Yes. Because, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: Well, that. But so then why? <laughs> That's not the case with Black Panther. Why are you putting Black Panther and Casablanca again, in Casablanca? Because again, I'm talking.
1: I'm just talking about people remembering a film, and then ta- well, f- taking taking yeah, it as a story. Yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could see it being. People as-
0: remember the Brady Bunch. That doesn't mean like the Brady Bunch is one of the great television shows of all time. Mm, the Brady Bunch ain't no. mash, bro. No, like that. There's a. You understand? It's not. It's
1: not comparable. Yes, it is. As far as like public, it's view, not public. Pu-
0: no, it's public
1: not. Public view. Forest
0: Gump and Casablanca are not in the same league.
1: Public view? Yes, S- they are. <laughs> yes. Stop it! I'll, I'll throw. I'll throw. You know, Wizard of Oz. Same kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't care. I'm just being honest here. Yeah, you know, I know more people who have seen the Forest Gump than the Casablanca. You're-
0: all right, i'm I, I, again I feel like we're going in circles. this must be so frustrating for people to listen yeah, no. to i again I, I I don't understand what your point is I don't know what you're talking about I mi- i'm missing I'm missing why you would feel the need to compare Casablanca to Forrest Gump I, I, why why are you comparing the
1: two They don't have anything in common uh, other they, than they, the fact that people saw them but people saw a lot of things well they and ju- just in the realm of films that are sort of universally beloved that's all I'm talking about. But I, I forgot what we. I forgot what we were even comparing it. We're to. We're comparing it to Before Sunrise, which is <laughs> because different. you made the claim that Before Sunrise is the greatest romance of all time. I and said what? it was the best. There's a difference between best and greatest. All right, I'm done having this discussion. <laughs> you want to go greatest? I don't even know what that means. Toy Story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's headache inducing.
1: Best and greatest. You even said this with LeBron and Michael Jordan. There's a difference between best and greatest. Correct. That's what the fucking. Can- mm. Directed by John Lasseter. Written by
0: Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen, and Alec Sokalo. Sokalo. Starring Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Don Rickles, and others. Grossed $373 million at the box office in 1995. As I said earlier, the highest grossing movie of that year. The American Film Institute named it the number six animated movie of all time. And the number 99 greatest movie of all time. Yeah. Full stop. I don't feel like I have to give more information
1: on, on Toy Story. Everyone has seen Toy Story. Yes. This is another one, by the way. <laughs> as far as public opinion. All right. We need to squash this right now. <laughs> is, are, is Are you saying
0: <laughs> that Casablanca... Toy Story, Forrest Gump, and Black Panther
1: are all popular movies. Yeah. Is that all you're trying to say? I guess. I, I, I've sort of lost what, what both of our points are. No, I, I, that's all. I'm You're just saying that they're popular. Are you just stating the obvious? No, I, I was comparing it to, to Before Sunrise in some loose way. I forgot what it was, though, because <laughs> we've been going in circles, like you said. They're just universally acclaimed. Yeah. And that's it. I think I was talking about the realm of uh of films that I guess influenced the the I guess the way people make movies. And I w- I think all I was saying was that Casablanca no one took stylistic choices from it. They, they, just. And I don't think that's true. Yeah, no. See, I don't really. Think I, I,
0: that's and true. I, okay, fine, all right. That's we, we, that's. I don't
1: fine. think. I don't think any filmmaker made films that look or feel like Casablanca. Agree to As, disagree. Same with like Forrest Gump, for example. Agree to disagree. Yeah.
0: Toy Story was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Song for "You've Got a Friend in Me," yeah. and Best Original Score. Lost all three. I don't know how the fuck <laughs> Randy Newman lost for "You've Got a Friend in Me." That seems mm-hmm. absurd. It's a great song. I can't imagine any song was better that year. That's just nuts. <laughs> Do what? it were the nominees? I I don't know, but whatever it is, it can't be that good. Yeah, who knows? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, look, man, this is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's I, I, it's you know. I guess this is my Babe, if you want to put it that way. Uh,
1: this is this is like up there with Babe, I suppose for me. Okay. Yeah, I love this movie more than most things.
0: There are a few movies that I have seen more than <laughs> Toy Story. I watched it as a kid and watched it for many years to come. The song Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas won Best Original Song that year. Ow. Ugh. Dead Man Walking by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Okay. Moonlight from Sabrina. Moonlight. Dude, how does You Got a Friend of Me not win? That's insane. That's like a song. That's one of the great bad calls. One of the worst calls <laughs> in the history of the Oscars. So here's the story about Toy Story. John Lasseter, who has been working on Toy Story 4, but I think just like left the project, right? Because there was like sex abuse allegations. Against him. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that's, right. isn't that what happened? He was gonna direct it? Yeah, I think he got yeah. fairly far along in that process.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So John Lasseter works for Disney, pitches this idea called the Brave Little Toaster. Which I love
1: that, the the Brave Little Toaster. Right, that I short love film. that movie. Yeah. That
0: short Pixar film. Pitches it to Disney.
1: Disney not only says
0: no, they fire him. <laughs> they fire John Lasseter for that terrible idea. He leaves Disney. Ends up getting a job at Lucasfilm. Starts yep. doing computer animation. 1986, Steve Jobs stumbles upon John Lasseter. Mm-hmm. And when he buys Pixar, hires him to lead up the creative division. So, they start making these short films in the 80s. They end up making this movie called Tin Toy, which is sort of the first seed of Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Wins best animated short film at the Oscars that year. And when Disney sees it, they're like, yo, John, we want you back. Let's give you more cash. <laughs> you know, because obviously Disney sees where they were wrong in the first place. So, they make them this big offer. But he was like, you know what? Steve Jobs believed in me. At Pixar, they had not made a major motion picture yet, obviously, because Toy Story was their first one. His direct quote was, I can go to Disney and be a director, or I can stay here and make history. He ends up making history, obviously. Pixar ends up getting bought out by Disney. And now every animated movie that is released is in some way influenced by Pixar's animation style. Yep. Um, This movie changed animated movies. Forever, And there were a lot of great animated movies that came before it, yep. but none like Toy
1: Story, I would yeah. say. For better or worse, it has the greatest legacy, I would say, of any film on this list. Yes. Absolutely. By a mile. And I mean, it, the, the way to come out of the gate swinging, holy shit, this movie's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those
0: movies, as I said earlier, you can watch it as an adult and you are surprised how well it
1: holds up. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's just awesome the movie kicks ass there's not a single weak thing about it i love pretty yeah yeah and it's short too it's like 80 minutes yeah yeah that's true i watched it not terribly long ago and i was i was like yeah that movie moves and there's it, it is it is a lot shorter than i remember but it's it's still quite fantastic yeah. it's probably my favorite pixar film next to maybe the incredibles i was thinking about this it could be The incre- like i don't I, i'm i'm a rat uh, ratatouille fan but uh wow big ratatouille fan um, but yeah, for me, it's usually, it usually comes down between Toy Story and, uh, the Incredibles. But the thing is the the other Toy Story films should not go un uh, unnoted because they're, yes, the second one, especially, cause I feel like it gets overlooked now.
0: Second one is like underrated all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. yeah.
1: Isn't that weird? Cause everyone just got on board with the third one because the third one's fantastic. But cause the third I, one is the second best Toy Story movie. But the the second one is really good guys really works <laughs> really really
0: good yeah really funny mm-hmm. that's of course they all have heart but that one is incredibly fun and lively and the jesse character works and... it,
1: yeah it was, it was probably the saddest pixar film at that had come out at that point yeah what, that was only. well the... it, oh, it was their third movie was it their third movie yeah They... That's right. It was Toy Story, Bugs Life, and then Toy Story 2. I saw Bugs Life very recently, actually. And uh, it's not their best film, but I I was actually struck by how good that movie looks. Yeah. They're great-looking films. They're really beautiful, and it's amazing what they pulled off with this animation. And it makes sense that people would start adopting this style.
0: Yeah. There are no 2D animation movies anymore. What we're, I think, going to start seeing is the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse effect. You think so? I think so. I think they have figured out the new way to do it. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if more animated movies started looking like Spider-Verse. All right. But you're right. Every animated movie was influenced by Toy Story, for better or for worse. All Mm -hmm. of the Disney movies like Frozen and Zootopia and Wreck-It Ralph are all just basically low-grade Pixar movies. Yep. Except this brain trust knows how to make kids' movies, I think, better than anybody else in the history of mankind. Yep. It's amazing. It's amazing what they do. And it, there's no, like, one person you can put it on. It's, uh, it, it's Lasseter. It's, what's the guy's name that ended up, that did Incredibles 2, and Doctor, pre-Doctor. The guy, Brad Bird? Yeah, Brad
1: Bird. They, they, they just, God, they they know they're how so to, good at this. And they know how to tell a wonderful story, too, that it actually has mature themes. Yeah. That you could learn a lot from. It's just, ugh. It's like it's this kind of kind of thing that just started a whole wave of filmmaking, and that you just you know, or at least a whole a whole uh a, I don't know appreciation for those ideas that we didn't see before in certain kids' films. Yeah, like this like this is the film that I, I will gladly show to my kids. That kind of thing, of course, and I'll watch with them and enjoy it mm-hmm. every step of the way. Yep, so good. And I have I have a friend who who doesn't like movies like this because he thinks they're just for kids. It, yeah, well, because he. He's only
0: seen Babe. Fucking...
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> only seen Babe. And he's
0: like, yeah, eh, I think I'm good with kids' movies. Can't, yeah. you, wa- you watched the wrong movie from
1: 1995, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you can't be talking about me. This li- Otherwise, this makes no sense. Only Toy Story's ba- great. Yes, Toy Story's great.
0: What else is there to say? I mean, there's nothing to say. It's got a great legacy, and it's a great movie, and it's for adults and for kids, and the performances are fucking awesome. Yep. And, like, this forever changed both Tom Hanks um, and, Tim and Tim Allen's careers.
1: Even With the Don support- Rickles. I was just about to say Don Rickles. Uh, Wallace Shawn. Rex. Yeah. Two of the more iconic movie characters, honestly. that Bugs, Woody, Rex, Ham, Mr. Potato Head. Where are you on Toy Story 4? I don't want to see it. So, evidently, <laughs> it's a prequel, right? Is it? Oh,
0: Oh. It takes place in between number two and number three. Because it's about Little Bo Peep, I guess. And but what happened the, to her? Yeah, I think could be wrong, but I believe that's what they're doing. Okay. Because the movie's gonna be like a straight romance between Woody and Little Bo Peep.
1: Oh, it, 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 you said bef- in between uh, two and three, I think. Why not just do it before one? I I don't I don't know. Okay. I don't know a, how they're doing it. That's a weird, like Mad
0: Max. Where the fuck <laughs> does it lie? Yeah, it's like uh, Indiana Jones two. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right it's <laughs> true it's temple of doom yeah that's the most confusing sequel yeah that is time. a weird i remember seeing that i was like is that a mistake on the tv guide or something right and it's like no it's it's just it just for some reason takes place in between yeah mm. okay listen i i am i'm gonna see whatever
0: toy story thing is put in front of me <laughs> I'm what very, am i gonna do i'm gonna be like no
1: that makes it better in my eyes because the the the, the level of like perfect closure that we get in toy story three like i don't i didn't want to see a story that takes place afterwards yeah like that's just just leave it that's the way you wrap it's the it. the perfect up. ending yeah yeah it's the perfect ending. you would soil it if you did anything else so. by the way
0: that movie is probably going to get nominated when we get the chance to do so toy story three yeah yeah i have a feeling a lot of pixar movies are going to be on the docket pretty yeah. soon
1: yeah that Great. one's not gonna if it's 2010 that one ain't winning for me though okay it's close but it's not gonna win mm. oh boy We'll talk about it. Toy Story. We'll talk about it later. I will not cross it off. No. I don't think don't you will either. Don't cross it off. Don't you cross that one off. Seven.
0: What's in the box? Directed by David Fincher. Written by Arnold Copelson and Phyllis Carlisle, Starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, and Arlie Ermy. <laughs> grossed a whopping 327 million dollars this was
1: a box office smash surprising hit for what this movie is about did very well
0: nominated for best film editing at the oscars and that's it Mm -hmm.
1: david fincher's
0: second movie behind alien 3 Mm -hmm. david fincher your favorite director correct more or less (laughs) more or less (laughs) he's your favorite single
1: director right single what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> not in a duo <laughs> i suppose yeah yeah i think that's a better way to put it yeah i i've the, the, probably the deepest affinity for david fincher i mean i i i, I it's it's annoying for me because like there's a, there's always that part of me that wants to say oh of course i love spielberg of course i love scorsese but it just feels like like a cop-out answer yes. at this point you know what i mean yeah i think when you're like a movie fan i've certainly felt like i don't Not only do
0: I not count them I also want to say something about me When I give the answer to that question Yes You know Like when you ask me What's my favorite movie I do feel bad when I say The Godfather Because it is legitimately My favorite movie It is the one closest to my heart Mm -hmm. But it's also like Oh you're just one of those nerds That loves The Godfather Because you watch it in film school Everybody loves The
1: Godfather
0: I know But I'm like no. I grew up watching that movie And it's just my favorite It's the one I could watch the most It's the one that i think about all the time yeah just, and i i understand like i wish i had a more clever answer i just don't mm-hmm. you know and i think yes you're right david fincher is the once you get all the hall of famers out of the way yeah he's the one left for me yes yes yeah. yes um 7 here's my thoughts what's up and then i'll let you do your whole monologue cuz you probably have a lot to say about it i suppose we'll see fincher unique talent is the ability to make a gimmicky concept feel convincing.
1: Sure. In my opinion. Kind of. I feel like that's a lot of filmmakers, though. I
0: think specifically with him, the game, Panic Room, Seven, all very silly ideas. And you hear it on the surface, you think, okay, this could be... A random episode of criminal minds Mm -hmm. this could be just a shitty low rent horror thriller that does not have to star a cast this good it does not have to be directed by a guy with such a great visual eye yeah this is the perfect example of what he does well which is serial killer kills seven people all
1: based on the deadly sins. Oh, so pulpy and goofy. That's the, I think that's the better example for, for describing the types of projects he takes on is that they're, they're, they're pulpy. Yeah, they really are. But he adds a, <laughs> well, it's a very dark flair to it, just Certainly. to say the least, an odd, a very realistic flair in that way. And, um, Oh God, it, there's a lot of substance to his films, but one, one critic I think said it best is that for me, and I agree completely is that he, david fincher somehow manages to make misery fun <laughs> right <laughs> and i'm like yeah, yeah 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 i'm with that
0: i'm sort of with that <laughs> the thing i love
1: about this movie is that it's an old school buddy cop movie this is uh the 90s neo-noir this right. is a neo-noir at its purest form yeah aside from the, the you know the questionable femme fatale elements uh yes this is this is about as modern a noir as you could possibly get
0: It's very traditionally told. Mm -hmm. It is not Silence of the Lambs. Like, Silence of the Lambs is what I would consider to be the most pure horror thriller that's ever been made. Mm -hmm. A a pure serial killer, dark, twisted story. This one is just sort of about two guys investigating a case, and they have good chemistry, and they're quippy. Mm -hmm. It's a very funny movie. Like, oh, yeah. incredibly funny when Arnley Ermey's sitting at the desk <laughs> and the phone rings and he answers the phone and goes isn't in my desk <laughs> just hangs up and hey, that's like one of the funniest moments of the <laughs> 90s for me in film I love that moment yeah. there's just like a lot of great little character beats in it yeah. and although again it's dark and it's broody and nine inch nails <laughs> closer Ugh. is playing as part of the title sequence It's one
1: of my favorite opening title sequences ever
0: yeah I mean sure there's a lot of dark emo goth stuff about it but it is just sort of a traditional buddy movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh oh god, I it's it's weird because um, hmm. it's the best way to pin this movie down because I I find this movie to be uh, because like you were saying, I think it could have been far more silly than it actually comes across. But again, Fincher's like kind of firm hand in directing it is just ever present. I mean, it's efficient, as I like to say. I mean, this is. One of those movies that doesn't really miss a beat. It's on point yeah. all the way through as opposed to his previous film. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, which I still have not seen. Mm. It's the only Fincher movie I haven't seen. Well, you wouldn't like it, okay. but, uh, but I, I would understand why. Um, but you love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh God, what do you, Alien three. We're talking do about. Do I have to talk about Alien three. Now? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, you talk about what you want. I think the, the, the theatrical release is a mess. But it's not as terrible as people like to say it is. Uh, the assembly cut. Sorry, Nico. The assembly cut's quite good. Anyway, um, yeah, Seven, in my opinion, is uh, it's maybe Fincher's best film. I was about to ask you that. It's your favorite Fincher film. It is. Uh, it would have been. Recently, I changed my mind, though. To it, Zodiac? It's, it's, it's Zodiac now. So my brother just saw it, and he... What, just so? ra- He
0: randomly watched Zodiac. Oh, yeah. And he came up to me and goes, you ever seen this movie called Zodiac? <laughs> and I go, w- you watched that without me telling you? <laughs> you just stumbled upon it randomly? Did he like it? He fucking loved it. Okay, okay. okay. He said he goes to me, dude, that movie's incredible. Why does nobody talk about it? Because I was talking about it in relation to Seven. He goes, I think I might like it more than Seven. Just because like Zodiac is real life. And... You know, it's more of a challenge to make that story compelling than the goofy concept
1: behind Seven, which is a pure Hollywood movie. And Seven is, I mean, is again for for what I was talking about in realm, in the realm of its efficiency versus Zodiac. Z- Zodiac is three hours long. Yeah, and everyone I've ever talked to about Zodiac adores that movie. That's yeah. the other thing, and that's the movie that like like made me want to research the the entire case. That's the funny thing about that movie is that after I watched, I had to read everything about what actually happened. Right. It's just so compelling, and I mean, like literally, that's proof of it. I actually had to do stuff afterwards after I was done watching it, yeah, because it was so interesting to me. It literally compelled you to do what the characters were doing on screen. So it like like I I and I had thought about that for a while because for the for the longest time it was seven, and then yeah, it's just all of a sudden I rewatched Zodiac, and I'm like, yeah, it's got to be, it it just has to be for me. I just think seven is the.
0: It it is the greatest showcase of David Fincher's strengths.
1: Yes. Like all in one package? Yeah.
0: Yes. I think if you want to just put into one – this is what I want the world to think about David Fincher. Mm. I would show them seven before I would show them anything else. Even Social Network might be like a slightly better movie. Um, I wouldn't put Fight
1: Club quite there. Fight Club is the most – because I I think – I don't know. I think Fight Club is the most David Fincher – film in a lot of ways. Even he would agree with that. Really? Yeah, as far as his attitude because, I mean, I don't think uh, Sevens showcases his sense of humor as well as, as Fight Club does, which is what he's kind of a proponent of. Right. He gets very upset when people don't find Fight Club funny so yeah things like that But see
0: i also again though i find seven very funny i do No, i, I find there is, to be a dark twisted
1: thing under the surface there. there there's like levity in seven but it's not like a funny movie i yeah. wouldn't say that it's not like like fight club can be really funny right if 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 you eat loaf and his bitch tits if you have that level of humor Which right. which i do of course because it's me because i'm a sick <laughs> bastard but you know, uh yeah, but I remember like thinking about it and I was like there is something about Fight Club as well that doesn't quite get there with me with the 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 best venture film because a lot of people will say Fight Club and I'm like it's I don't know, it doesn't have the highs that um 7 has or even uh, or even Zodiac. It doesn't really work for me
0: as like a satire. Maybe that's what it is. Oh,
1: see, I disagree with that. I'm not I'm I... not really
0: into it as a or maybe I'm just not into social satires in general. Maybe that's just a personal taste thing.
1: I like its take on on both the like it, it's satirical of of uh, the kind of business oriented lifestyle, commercialism, yeah. commercialism, but also the the other end of the spectrum, which is you know the what what do you even want to call that the anarchist lifestyle that sure. the characters adopt? Because a lot of people, like a lot of college idiots, will will read into this film and think that Tyler Durden's the hero, and I'm like, what the fuck? Well, because the movie is about them yeah and i'm like what are you talking about (laughs) the movie is about frat guys essentially and i'm like he's he's the villain guys though like you're not you're not at the end of it you're not supposed to like tyler or even agree with him yeah the film is taking both ends of the spectrum and saying this is how wrong it can get you sort of have to find an an interesting medium which is difficult in this day and age yeah but that's the point um Seven, incredibly iconic. What's in the box, obviously. That ending is one of the great endings ever filmed. I'm, I'm just saying it now. You it are, just is. You are correct. I love not only that ending, but the sequence before that ending. Oh, the, the conversation in the car the is The conversation wonderful. in the car is
0: so tense and so brilliant. The line, you're nothing, you're a fucking t-shirt <laughs> at best, <laughs> is, I think that might be like just a perfect
1: movie quote. Like, there's, there's not a single word wasted in that entire quote. I love it so much. Oh, but the best... The, the strange part about it is that it's, like, in him saying that, John Doe is proving his point. Exactly. Which is so freaky. Well, yeah, because you can watch the movie again and, and it takes like, on this whole new meaning for you. Like, like, one of my favorite scenes is actually, like, right after they've been chased down by... Or they haven't been chased by John Doe. They're chasing after him. And, you know, they don't catch him, of course. In the apartment building. Yeah. Here. And then they go back to the apartment and it's a complete foreshadow of the, the ending of the film. Yeah. It's like... Oh, my God. Like, you rethink the entire film after that. It's like, oh, yeah, he was doomed. Yeah. And it's great. (sighs) Such a good movie. Oh, God. The lust. The lust murder. I fucked her. (laughs) I I fucked her. God damn. That's the worst. Dude, when I saw the gluttony guy, (laughs) that giant
0: sack laying face down in his cereal bowl, Mm -hmm. I've never been able to unsee
1: that. Well, this is the... And this is... uh, why um we might we might debate um the, this one pr- pretty um intensely right now is because of all these films that on this list this is the one that has by far the most unforgettable imagery yes this is something uh, uh Alejandro Hodorowsky talks about a lot and something that he gets frustrated about in contemporary films that he just feels like. They, they we were we waste the medium yes. in the sense that we don't we don't have a lot of films that have like shot for shot memorable imagery it's yeah. like connective tissue and every once in a while you get something that's like oh i i would i'm never going to forget that but i mean seven it's just like every single scene is just dripping with atmosphere and feeling and there's so many layers to it and then you get to the big reveals and it's even more unforgettable and it's just like they just don't make movies like that anymore You're right. Or at least you rarely see films like that getting uh, made nowadays. So I always like I thank God for films like seven, you know. Detective!
0: (laughs) You're looking for me.
1: His fucking fingers.
0: Dripping with blood. Oh
1: my god, it's great.
0: Kevin Spacey's so good.
1: Mm. And by the way, Brad Pitt's really good in this movie too. Oh yeah.
0: Underrated Brad Pitt performance. What's in the box? And Morgan Freeman's great as always. Yes, yes. Gwyneth
1: Paltrow. She's she's there. She serves a a plot purpose. Beginning of the end for Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, You know, know, my my favorite role for gwyneth paltrow in a movie
0: yeah the one where she loses her head yes yeah which she should anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't we just have this argument <laughs> with zach didn't, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> didn't zach like express like a lot of anger I towards fucking, gwyneth paltrow i hate
1: gwyneth paltrow yeah i was like whoa dude okay okay bro it's like did she sell you
0: like a timeshare in cuba or something <laughs> what do you have against gwyneth
1: Jesus why, Christ. That so be funny to me. A <laughs> timeshare in Cuba.
0: <laughs> that would be a weird timeshare, wouldn't it? I want to know the poor sap that's answering the phone that's like, oh, Cuba sounds lovely this time of year. <laughs> and then proceeds to get shot in the head. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, God. Fuck. Okay. Seven's fantastic. Heat.
0: Okay. Ooh. You ready for this? Let's do it. Written and directed by Michael Mann. That's right. Starring a little guy named Al Pacino, another character actor named Robert De Niro, the God Among Men, Val Kilmer, Mm -hmm. and John Voight. That's right. Grossed $107 million at the box office, nominated for
1: zero Oscars. And uh, not on any lists of any kind. No, and this that probably frustrates you. But it it kind of frustrates me if it's not on any lists. Pull up the soapbox, please. Because this is the best for me as well. By pull, the way, pull up, pull up the soapbox.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm on the soapbox. Yeah, well. What do you have to say about that?
1: I'm the- getting on the soapbox. Is this your best for, for something? Can you can you, clear, can you clear the room? I don't want to. I'm, 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 I'm in the room. Clear the space. And I'm drinking my water. All right, just sit
0: there and drink your water, because I'm on my soapbox. Yummy. Okay, go. And I ain't getting off. All right. All right. Heat's the greatest heist movie of all time.
1: Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah! <laughs> High five! <laughs> Another hot take. Another hot take. You're correct. Another hot take. It is, yeah, yeah, you're correct. It's the best place by, by a mile.
0: Ready? I got more for you. Oh, God. I got more for you. Greatest L.A. movie of all time. <sighs> mm.
1: I, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll hear your argument. Mm. Okay. It's, it's close, though. So, yeah.
0: when I say greatest L.A. movie, I don't mean greatest movie that takes place in L.A. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the movie that uses L.A. LA. most effectively as a character. Okay. Pulp Fiction's a movie like that. Drive, I would say. Drive's a movie like that. Sunset
1: Boulevard's a movie like that. It's like this takes place in LA
0: and cannot take
1: place anywhere else. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna draw comparisons to uh uh The Wire, aren't you?
0: Sure. Well no, I wasn't <laughs> planning on it, but I can. Yeah, you can. I can. Yeah. The Wire is a movie or er, sorry, is a television show about Baltimore. That is a Baltimore TV show and it is cannot be said anywhere else. This is a movie like many of Michael Mann's filmography by the way including Collateral which came many years later. That's another one where uh, the character of which LA We will be talking about come that year, don't you worry. Yeah. I
1: fucking love Collateral so much. Oh, we will we'll talk about I can I, I'll talk about Collateral after you. Okay.
0: <laughs> I know what you're going to say and I might agree with you. Um it's so th- the way that Michael Mann shoots this city is so sleek and so cold. cold. You know, and, and and but it works,
1: yeah. Because that is what LA is, mm-hmm. and it's grimy, it's dirty as fuck.
0: There and, are so many LA movies that choose to glamorize the city and to make it look sunny and beautiful. And, and this is
1: like ferocious,
0: yeah. And this is like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah. man! I am there, every street I go to is a back alley. Yep, but I'm never like on Melrose. Mm-hmm. I'm never on Hollywood Boulevard walking down the Walk of Fame. Yep, it's just it's. It is not warm,
1: it is not welcoming. no one's going to be there to give you a hug and hold your hand, but there's no there's not even like a pretense of it in this film, which is interesting because most films will say okay there's there's a glamour quality to it, and underneath the surface is all this dark shit where this one gets rid of the pretense altogether. it's like nope, it's right. dark, and it's fucked up, and here it is.
0: yep, and that to me works, yeah, which is why I say in terms of l a movies and there's so many of them because literally l a is the entertainment capital of the world. Mm-hmm. This one stands above the rest. I agree. Had a tremendous amount of influence, as I said before. If this movie doesn't ex- ex- exist, the Dark Knight does not exist yes. in the way that we know it. It's yes. a different movie. It's not even close. The shootout in this movie could be the greatest shootout in the history of film. Which one? In the street? In the street, okay. middle of the movie after the bank robbery, and yes, when they're running up and down the the streets of L.A. I put it up there maybe with Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy
1: and the Wild Bunch are up there with me. Okay. Oh, God. No, no. Well, can you. Does that count as a shootout? Can you say Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? The finale there.
0: I don't know. Not in the same way. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. I agree no. with that. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's a massive set piece. This group
1: is shooting at this group. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I I again it's like one of the most rewatchable scenes in the history of film for me.
1: Takes uh, inspired a lot of video games too, a lot of yeah. You know, oh, interesting. Of, yeah, fun fact. I mean Grand Theft Auto like like models the shit after, after films like this. Yeah. Yeah, so and there's literally entire set pieces that are just based off of the uh, uh high sequences in heat so yeah which makes those games somewhat annoying to me so but uh (laughs) but again it just it shows the impact of this film and that the impact is actually there despite the fact that this is a film that i think in the general public is not as appreciated if i'm being totally honest wow that's odd aside from one detail and that's the first on-screen coupling of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. All right. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. So as you just mentioned, this is
0: the first time that Pacino and De Niro shared the screen together. Mm -hmm. They will soon be doing that. in The Irishman again (laughs) coming this year. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. They were in, of course, Godfather part two together, but different timelines. So they were never sharing the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, this is controversial. I can't believe I'm going to be the one saying this. I hate that scene. Re- Ooh, the diner... Really? I hate, I hate the diner really? scene. Really? Why? I don't like... There's something. Is it slow to you? It's mm-hmm. like you just have this incredible, propulsive story. It's a two and a half hour long movie. And it's, it,
1: a two, it's almost a three hour movie. Yeah, <laughs> and, it,
0: and it moves with such efficiency for me. You have this incredible story, this cat and mouse game that just slows down halfway through for the diner. It's like... Every other scene before it is thrilling and tense, and you're on the edge of your seat. And then the two just share a cup of coffee, and the dialogue is like really flat. But aside from the line, y- y- uh, I have it written down. Uh, I have a hard time quoting it. But uh, it's, uh, you'll, I don't have it written down. I just realized that.
1: <laughs> what, I don't, I, what's the quote?
0: Ne- never be afraid to leave something if heat, if you feel the heat coming around the corner. Okay. That one like right. don't don't get close to anything unless you're willing to let them go if gotcha. the heat's coming around the corner besides that scene they're not really talking about anything no. it's just like sort of an excuse
1: to put them together i guess there is there's sort of an inherent tension with who their characters are and just the novelty of seeing these two actors together yeah and just kind of play but off but that of each is other. what it is though
0: it's a novelty yeah i know
1: they visually though there is something about their they're just they're, uh, the way they i don't know behave with with one another that is kind of fun to look at but right I, I do. I I agree. There's it's not it's uh, it's not the best scene in the movie. No, not by a long shot. But I mean, I. it's it is kind of there's something kind of fascinating about it. It just to me, me felt forced.
0: It just felt like this is we have to do it because we have these two stars and let's make a big deal out of it. But let's not pay too much attention to why we're including this scene in the movie in the first place.
1: I don't know, but if it, it comes pretty late in the film with a lot of stakes that have been uh, thrown at it beforehand, which makes it a little more satisfying for me personally. And that's why it works for me is just the, 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 the level of tension in that scene with what they know about each other. It just kind of works. It's also a lot of telling and not showing. Yeah, well, that's... Which is the other problem, too. <coughs> it's like when De Niro says to Pacino,
0: you and I, we're not so different. It's like, yeah, I've just been watching two hours, and I, I get it. That's yeah. the whole theme of the movie, is that the cop and the robber yeah. are not that much different. Sure. It's the whole point. Sure. You know? So I don't need the two of them holding my hand through it. I guess.
1: That being said... it's But it's also De Niro and Al Pacino. I, I get it, Being man. awesome. I, I get it. You just, son of a bitch. Maybe I'm nitpicking. <laughs> it's fine. It's based
0: on a true story. Neil McCauley is a real criminal. Um, he was tracked down by Detective Chuck Adamson who the Pacino character is uh, modeled after. In your opinion, this is a thought experiment I think about every once in a while. If you swap the roles, is the movie better or worse or just the same? Oh God, it's so much worse. You think?
1: Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I think they both could have played each other's roles quite convincingly. No. Really? No. I don't, I don't see Pacino as that kind of gangster at all. Okay. There's nothing rough or brooding about It's something else. And it's just Pacino Whereas, like, I don't know. Robert De Niro is, is, is frequently cast for that role. Cause he knows how to be that role. I don't know. Pa- Pacino, ev- even in the Godfather, he's, he's the more well-kept kind of gangster. Anyway, he's not going out guns blazing. Yeah. I can see that with Robert De Niro. He has done it. He's done it frequently. He even did it in Godfather part two. Yeah. So I could see De Niro playing the cop though. I definitely could. He wouldn't a, for- a form of the cop. I don't know if he, I could see him playing that cop. There's something just so outlandish about uh, Al Pacino and even the kind of character that he's playing. Like, oh, you know what they're looking at? They're looking at us. Like that whole scene when they're in the shipyard. Well, the delivery of the line, she's got a big ass, would
0: probably have been a little different if De Niro was delivering it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't it wouldn't have worked.
0: Who? Who? What am I, an owl? Who? Who? <laughs> Dude, fucking great movie! Yep. Pacino overacts like ten times in this movie, but I am not bothered by it in any way, shape, or form. This is where, there's I, there's not anything to hate about this movie. I love it so much. It's the best, and uh,
1: it's uh, it may or may not be my vote today. Eh, Cause what? Yeah, well, we'll discuss that. I, I I quite like this film. Okay. I quite like it. It's an it's an excellent film. Okay. It's an excellent film, Nico. Okay. Yeah. But you don't love it as much as I love it. No, I don't. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, I know it is. Because I, again, <laughs> this is the problem with this show. This, <laughs> it makes us talk down about movies that we really fucking like. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those movies I, it's like frustratingly close for for me to say that I love it. It's like, oh, I want to say that I love it. Maybe if I watch it again, I'll love it. Uh, It's just not, it doesn't quite lean over. I like collateral. Uh, I might too. Yeah, okay. Yes. All right. Cool. <laughs> and that's saying something because you know how much I hate Tom Cruise. I fucking love Collateral. Collateral is quietly one of the best movies of the 21st century. <laughs> yes. Dude, no
0: one talks about it. Yes. That movie is so great. That last sequence where they're in the office building and they oh, shoot it just with the silhouettes. It is so freaky. It's so good. And Tom Cruise with the gray hair. <laughs> yep. Dude. Fucking Michael Mann! You know what, Michael Mann? Fuck you for like falling off the deep end because you gave us like four all-time classic movies Mm -hmm. over a ten-year span, and then start. Then he starts doing what is that? The the white hat, black hat.
1: Oh yeah, was that movie? Yeah, with like Chris Hemsworth or whatever.
0: Listen to Michael Mann's filmography. He starts with Thief, I think. Oh, that's before Manhunter. Yeah.
1: Okay. With yeah.
0: Uh. So yeah, he goes. This is what he does. He goes, uh, via a bunch of TV movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Thief, The Keep, mm-hmm. Manhunter. Very good. Crime Story. Never seen it. L.A. Takedown, which is basically like the TV version of Heat. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I think it was a TV movie and uh, it had the same plot as Heat, basically. Last of the Mohegans. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got Heat in 95, The Insider in 99. Ooh, haven't seen it. The- haven't seen The Insider.
1: <laughs>
0: Might be my second favorite Michael Mann movie, oh. Ahead of Heat. It, it goes back and forth. Okay. Ollie in 2001. <laughs> kind of like it. Kind of like it. Collateral 2004. And then you have Miami Vice, Public Enemies, and Black Hat.
1: I don't mind Public Enemies. It's okay. What happened, Michael yeah. Mann? What happened? I don't know. Poor guy. But he made a good movie. Made a great movie, actually. Couple great movies. Made three.
0: Yeah. And Manhunter's second best Hannibal Lecter movie.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> Love Manhunter. I, I should rewatch Manhunter though, because I don't. I, I'm. I'm honestly, I'm a little less forgiving of that movie for some reason. That's weird. Yeah, I know. I'll rewatch it. Okay. Um all right. Cool.
0: I've said my piece. Yeah. Um my vote's Toy Story. What's your vote?
1: <sighs> uh, it's not the best movie. That's the issue for me. Uh, it's pretty damn close. Yeah. <laughs> it's Toy Story 7. Okay. Um let's let's talk this out. And this is going to be rough. Okay. Yeah.
0: Let, let's talk this out. Because legitimately love all three of these movies Me too. And, I'm, and i'm fine with any of them winning okay i want to be very clear i'm okay with any of them winning and if i need to bend i i will don't you worry there is no doubt toy story is the most important movie on the list yes and it, I, I don't even think that it's close as far as legacy yeah
1: well i, I think i m, let's say more so than legacy i think impact Le, in, well we could talk about Im, impact it has the most impact on the the industry the, well the the the, the way that movies were made afterwards the, it was different. I suppose well that's the thing it's sort of the the business model industry not not so much like like filmmakers coming after it. You didn't see as many filmmakers say like I want to start doing animated films that are in the style of Toy Story. It's just the industry straight okay we're going to make CG animated films now and get creative minds to make those CG animated films.
0: Every animated movie that came afterwards, though, is in the style of Toy Story. Yes. Like, literally
1: everything. Yes, because it is sort of the the uh, prototypical uh, model for that, I suppose. I mean,
0: Despicable Me is based on yeah. the Toy Story
1: movies, yeah. even though
0: they're God. not necessarily as made for adults as Toy Story is and the rest of the Pixar movies are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're all in line. Yeah. A little bit for the adults, a little bit for the kids. They have a lot of heart, but also a little bit of comedy. They're not goofy. They're... Realistic in that way, they sort of subscribe to their own internal logic, which is something that you also didn't see in a lot of animated no. movies. Yep, you know now every anime, every basically every animated movie is realistic feeling. I suppose it has its yeah. own internal rules and sticks to them. Uh-huh. Woody is not flying in this movie. No. Buzz Lightyear can actually fly. It's just about toys, and it just happens to be animated. Uh-huh. You could theoretically make a movie that's live action that has the same plot as Toy Story. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And I also just think, like, yeah, it's a fucking great one. It is. And, like, Pixar is certainly worthy of induction here. And this I can't is... think of a more prototypical Pixar movie. Which is the
1: thing. Like, that's why I'm torn. Because it's not... Because I really don't think it's heat as much as I... I would love that, but I've seen more filmmakers talk about Seven more fondly in that way, or, or make their films kind of based off of that, or adopt that kind of grimy style in Seven. And uh, as far as like, again, it's another film that, as far as like legacy is concerned, is very well remembered and whatnot. So it it gets that certainly not to the degree that Toy Story has, but it's at least it's there. Yeah. Uh but I think the thing is, Seven for me is a better film. <sighs> I think it's slightly better, but it's not that much better. It might be.
0: I really don't think it's that much better. Ugh. I mean, you just said that it's. It might not be David Fincher's best movie.
1: The, so I mean, I, but the, the the problem is his best film came out in a year where we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's not going to win a, that it's year. It's A little different, which I, I that's uh, like, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Anyway, no <laughs> don't don't think about it. But oh god, I think as far as uh, influencing filmmakers, I I I want to say seven. God, because I want to say seven, at least in that way, is, is, is it maybe tied with Toy Story? Because I, I, I don't know the, as far as like influence, influencing filmmakers with Toy Story, I feel like that, uh, that has more to do with the, the, the business model than anything. It's less, I don't know. The, the, there's what, less, what? there's less room to move with Toy Story is my issue with it. It certainly has the greatest uh, legacy as far as pop culture, uh, by a mile, by a mile. Um, to infinity and beyond yeah. is forever etched in our consciousness. Yeah. But for me, it's not the best movie. And as far as impact, oh god, it's 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 because it's two different kinds of impact, is what I'm saying. It, it no
0: uh, okay. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, all right, like, I I okay. I I do understand what you're saying. I'm not so uh, sure the business side of Hollywood and the creative side of Hollywood. Are that separate of entities? the ki- The cart doesn't come before the horse, man. It's like a movie
1: gets made if the higher ups in Hollywood say the movie can get made. Do you know how much paperwork and shit is that goes along with making a movie? No, I it's, right, uh, <laughs> right. That's what I mean. <laughs> the, the due diligence that goes into making these things before you actually say, "Okay, let's just get to shooting the fucking movie."
0: Right. It's, so, like, well, yours, your argument, if I understand it correctly. Is that Toy Story influenced a bunch of studio heads to greenlight more CGI animated movies. It, it does kind of feel that Whereas way. Whereas Seven I, inspired like a bunch of auteurist real filmmakers to make their real but stories. But that, that sounds
1: like I'm selling the filmmakers in Toy Story short though. I'm, I'm, and I'm tra- I think you are. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that because then you get like people like Brad Bird who come along and they, they, they really love that kind of work and they, they make a name for themselves just through that kind of work. Yeah. I I ugh. This is hard. And I, by the way, I also don't think like Seven
0: is necessarily an independent auteurist. No movie. I mean, it, like it's a big
1: studio movie. It made three hundred and twenty-seven no, million dollars at the box office. It, it's New Line Cinema. So I wouldn't call it huge, but it
0: made a lot of movie. I mean, it, yes. it's it's a popular movie yes. and certainly influenced the business forces behind Hollywood as much as the creative forces. And I'm telling you, man, there's a, there's a young generation of filmmakers that wants to do what Pixar did. Okay. Maybe. I think definitely. Maybe. And by the way, I'm not so convinced that, that Seven is a better movie than Toy Story. I'm convinced it's a better film.
1: I don't know. I really am. It it it, it I, I always get more out of watching Seven than I do Toy Story. I will watch I mean it's just me, but I will watch Seven before I watch Toy so Story. So you have a
0: more personal I relationship do, and that's to the Seven. Thing.
1: But the, but it's it's fucking Toy Story. <sighs> I think that says it all. That's the thing like You just use the term it's fucking Toy Story. But do we again do we want it's it's like the movie to nominate? You Got to think about this for a second we want to make a statement is that what you're telling well, me we don't have to i wouldn't i wouldn't feel bad about nominating toy Story is the thing this is one of those that's very difficult for me probably more so than it is for you it's not difficult for me that's the thing and i'm just like because i don't want to you don't want to sell seven short it to me it's the better movie Ugh. do you want better movie or greater movie I want greater. We're going Movie Hall of Fame here, aren't we? Because if we're going greater, it's probably Toy Story.
0: So here's my thought. That's the thing. Here's my thought. We're recording two episodes today. hmm We have to actually get to it because we're running out of time. Um,
1: <laughs> holy fucking shit. We'll get there. <laughs> you have a Bachelor finale to, to catch. Yeah, we do. But that, the next episode will be easier than this. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, I don't think we're going to go with the popular choice next week. So if you want to make a statement. We'll say it then. We'll say it then. I think for now, Toy Story gets into the Movie Hall of Fame. Do you agree? I could agree with
1: that. Okay. (sighs) I can't even clap for that. I feel bad. Why? Like, like I fucking, I love Toy Story. Dude, it's your childhood, bro. I know. Listen, there is
0: no question to me, Toy Story is a more personal movie movie. It is it is
1: more near and dear to my heart than seven. That's the thing is that these films mean it's I hate it when you come across films that mean just about as much to you. Yeah, like like seven is is another one of those important films for me. But I can't deny that Toy Story is also let me tell you this: if
0: if Toy Story was Snow White and the seven dwarves Mm. seven gets in immediately. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't I wouldn't think twice about it. All right. Even though like I can still acknowledge Snow White is a better movie. Toy Story means a fucking lot to me, man. It does. That's a movie I watched, God, every two weeks when I was six years old. I can quote that thing front to back. (sighs) Nothing wrong with it. Don't feel bad. Give it to Toy Story. Seven doesn't need your love, man. Seven's going to be okay. (laughs) Seven's going to be just fine. It wants to be left alone.
1: (laughs) Seven wants to be left alone.
0: (laughs) That's a great point. Seven seven ain't showing up to the induction ceremony. (laughs) Seven ain't giving a speech. Toy Story will accept your love with open arms. That's fair. That's a great point. Don't get me wrong. I love Seven, but that's the right choice, and I don't regret it. Okay. Congratulations to Toy Story. The best movie of 1995. Greatest movie. Greatest movie of 1995. There is a difference. And the latest inductee into the movie Hall of Fame. Next week, gentlemen and ladies. I don't know why I just excluded a whole sex.
1: (laughs) Um, There are no sexes. Well actually there are There's no genders You're right There are no genders You're right
0: Uh, Let's end that there Um, (laughs) We already did our draft For next week And I'll read them for you So you can watch along And also vote in our Twitter poll The six movies We will be discussing For next year's Induction Two
1: thousand and six Two thousand and six Weird year Honestly But a great year I think one that goes A little uh, Overlooked so we
0: called an audible at the last second yep. and changed movie years. We were going to do an earlier one. What were we going to do? 68? Yeah, we were going to do 1968. And we'll do that pretty soon. Um, but this list like, sort of just hit us out of the blue. We were just sort of spitballing random years. We
1: were like, whoa, 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 what?
0: And it was like, whoa. Yeah. A lot of great movies came out in 2006. So again, watch along with us. If you want to hear us discuss The Devil Wears Prada, The Prestige, Pan's Labyrinth, Casino Royale, Children of Men, and The Departed. Those are your six nominees for the year 2006.
1: That's a solid list.
0: That's a solid list. Really solid. There are no babes in sight. There are. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) Only one baby in Children of Men, as a matter of fact. Spoiler. Other than that, no more babes. That's the whole movie. Spoiler. I didn't spoil that. Fuck. god damn it yeah I kind of spoiled yeah the you tournament. did it's <laughs> okay uh, we'll be talking about them inducting one of them into the movie hall of fame please join us then you are at some adam hall on yes, twitter I am, I am at funny nico tweets tweet us your entries for the movie hall of fame at tmt underscore media vote in our twitter polls you know the drill and if you would like please subscribe on all podcast apps of your choosing too many is the home base to find each and every one of those links
1: all right adam sweet good we're done we got it
0: we're good all right uh oh you need a quote don't you i got it oh you do great
1: uh we've already said it that'll be it multiple
0: times until next time what's in the box she's got a big ass
1: (laughs) to infinity and beyond